हाय हाय एवरीवन दिस इज आशीष गोयल को फाउंडर ऑफ अल्डी सैलरी एक मिनट रुक जाओ रेडी होने दो चलो ये कर लेते हैं आशीष गोयल सो फर्स्ट हैंड हाउ हिज यंगर कलीग्स वुड बी सीकिंग शॉर्ट टर्म लोन्स टूवर्ड्स द एंड ऑफ द मंथ एंड सो दिस ऑपर्चुनिटी टू बिल्ड अ सॉल्यूशन फॉर दिस प्रॉब्लम दिस वाज द ट्रिगर दैट मेड हिम क्विट हिज वेल पेइंग जॉब एज द चीफ इन्वेस्टमेंट ऑफिसर एट बजाज अलायंस इन ऑर्डर टू स्टार्ट अर्ली सैलरी अ कंज्यूमर लेंडिंग फिनटेक अर्ली सैलरी इज यूनिक अमंग्स इट्स पीयर्स एज इट हैज इट्स ओन इन हाउस एनबीएफसी व्हिच गिव्स इट द ऑपर्चुनिटी टू बी मोर प्रॉफिटेबल वाइल आल्सो फोर्सिंग देम टू बी बेटर एट रिस्क असेसमेंट हियर्स आशीष टेलिंग अक्षय दत्त अबाउट द जर्नी ऑफ बिल्डिंग वन ऑफ इंडियाज लीडिंग कंज्यूमर लेंडिंग फिनटेक्स इन 2015 आई स्टार्टेड विजुअलाइजिंग सेइंग दैट कि व्हाट नेक्स्ट व्हाट शुड आई डू मोर and that's where i started drifting towards starting something on my own so uh, me and my partner both were uh, dabbling about the ideas and we came across a idea saying that how can we really provide money to a large set of indians who may not have access to the money today through a, a very highly digital and a technological way so and that's where the early salary came into picture tell me first how did you meet your co-founder were you together at bajaj yeah. So so we were together at Bajaj we joined almost together the firm so i joined in 2002 early 2002 and he might have joined in late 2002 so we know each other for almost 20 years now and he was there for 8 years i was on the market investment side he was on the marketing side and then he moved and moved to a few more careers outside Bajaj and it and we were in touch in 2015 he came back and we really liked the idea together and said that let's do this piece but you know th- this has nothing much to do with what you've done so far like how did that idea come you know but look it's like such a completely different direction to go in probably a more natural progression might have been to do either insurtech startup or something on wealth and investment technology you know th- those might have been more obvious ideas so, so what made you think of this idea how did you like lock into it so so to be honest i agree with you only couple of days back i was chatting up that if somebody would ask me today if i would have not started early selling 2015 and i would have had the idea of 2020 maybe i would have done insurtech i think many times there are two three factors one is internal and one is external so external factors were aligned for a fintech insurtech was still in a very nascent stage at that point in time the industry was maturing the second point was that i always lent money in my past of course at that point in time i was lending to corporate so i had a understanding of how do you really manage risk how do you really look at portfolios but the third and most critical piece that i and my co-founder were always aware that if you really manage things well the entrepreneurship is more about ensuring that how do you really put your resources together how do you really think of the customer and think of a product then think of a technological prowess or think of a understanding business don't get me wrong these are very critical but you can always find those talent and uh, so th- like me and my co-founder both are not a tech persons we don't uh, we come from a hardcore marketing and the investment field 
but we chose to build an investment company. So for us, the larger point was how to build technologies, then how to really build the risk management or the business of a consumer tech. And uh, and uh, there is another thing that if you work hard, the luck also plays with you. So we got the right set of talent at the right moment. We went, looked out. Of course, we worked. We put uh, extra efforts to see that how do you really make it happen. But uh, d- did you did you have some global inspiration for this idea? Or I mean, so essentially, you wanted to do consumer lending, right? And in consumer lending, there are many ways to do it. You could have done like what MoneyTap also started similar timeline. They have like a line of credit, a kind of a consumer lending product that could be one option or like PaySense also started at about that same time, which got acquired by PayU Credit and they also were doing consumer lending. So like, like what made you choose this early salary product? Uh, tell me about finding the product, the journey of identifying product. Okay, so two things. One is an interesting story, which Akshay, my co-founder had. The second is after that story, the amount of work which I did. Okay, so Akshay totally saw that many of his young colleagues were coming, running out of money at the month end. And they were always looking for a friend and we always did it. Even I in my life, most of the time I was a lender, not the borrower, but I always did that piece also. So that clicked us saying that, yes, the today's consumption economy, today's the aspiration of the young people needs a product which are short term, which are transparent, which are easy to use. Then comes the question is that how do you really think that what is the right set of products? Is there a market out there or not? And there, I think my my learnings of investment played a role. We, I went, looked at many products, looked at many companies who lend money to the personal segment. And that time Bajaj Finance was in its full glory, even today it is in full glory. And there was enough information available for us to really put a plan together that what are the products which are there in the market. Just to take an example, we went and met a couple of bankers and we said that, look, I want to give 10,000 rupees to a 20,000 rupees earning person. What do you think? He said, we'll never do it because it doesn't fit into our scheme of things, but it's a large market. Then I asked him, will you give a credit card to him? He said, that's also at least in 2015, the answer was that very few customers would be eligible for that. Okay, so that was a clear cut market fit saying that there, there is a need of a product. Okay, there were international examples at that point in time and which helped us in really putting our thoughts together. As a as a 10 years of running investment and seeing the Bajaj from like a uh, payday loan companies, essentially the, those were the... So the while payday loan companies give short term loans, but we always were very clear in our mind that we will never create a payday kind of a concept which is in US, right? Where you charge three, four hundred percent interest rates for a fifteen day person fifteen day loan. So in US or even in India for many companies, if you take a hundred dollar loan, you might end up paying ten dollars for fifteen days. And which in turns means three, four hundred percent. We said that we really want to create a large business. So the, that that payday loan in the US is catering to like subprime customers and Subprime. So we don't so we don't cater to subprimes. Okay. We cater to the uh, aspirational class, let me put it that. One can always say that twenty thousand rupees earning customer is a subprime. In my mind, subprime is somebody who doesn't have income. Subprime is somebody who is already defaulter. The person who is starting his career is not a subprime. No, I also I might have started my career with twenty thousand rupees only, right? So uh, so the, there is a large market segment which is underserved. And coming from my my learnings of investments, I always knew that many times people categorize the, the segment, the categories 
and then they say that we want to play in this or we don't want to play in this. But there are always opportunities in those segments which are very large. Like today, just to see, there is almost 20 crore household who earns from 15,000 rupees to 50,000 rupees. No? So it's a large segment which you can go and service. And digital is the only way where you can provide them services because nobody wants to come to the branch. Nobody wants to have a, a cold calling. Everybody today accelerating towards that I will uh, interact with you, but at my terms, not at the company's term, right? So those were the key things what really let us choose, right? And that was the key pieces which led me and Akshay to take this jump and say that yeah, how, um, is let's build early salary. And that's where the name also intuitively came. When the first time the name came, early salary, it sounds so uh, mis attuned to what we want to do that just take your own salary early. We are not giving you a loan. Just take your own salary early. So tell me about that zero to one. So you both quit your jobs and you had maybe some savings at the bank and you had an idea that you want to do a consumer lending startup. So how did you proceed from here? In our case, it was a little different. So we had an idea, I think it was somewhere in May, June of 2015. We penciled it. We actually took a help of two of the coders and really built the first, uh, just a skeleton of the mobile application. How does it will look like? When I see it today, I feel that how far we came from there. Then we started reaching out to few investors because one thing we realized that this business cannot be built on savings. See, you can always build a businesses, the consumer facing businesses on savings. But when money itself is a raw material, you cannot build that business on savings. You will need access to the pool of capital. And that's where we went ahead and raised about close to $1.2 million at that point in time before even quitting our jobs, okay? And the day we signed the term sheet, we went ahead and quit our jobs because that was a key ingredient. If we don't have money, we can't do it. Of course, we worked very hard to ensure at some point in time, we could have quit the job and to raise money. But uh, I think the stars were aligned to get us the money. Then October 2015, we set up early salary. Who, who were the investors for that 1.5 million round? So, so there is a, a Grawal family based out of Jaipur, who also uh, in their businesses as Transport Corporation of India, Gati, Boruka Industries, payments businesses, and they invested uh, the seed. And uh, then of course, that was the moment of truth that now you got raised money and you need to start it. And I still remember the first few days we actually worked from two bedroom apartment in US, what it calls is starting from the garage. And so uh, we were five of us, me, Akshay and uh, two techies who we, we met before starting early salary and we had to both of them. And today, both of them are still with us after six years also. So that also is, a, is there with us. And that's where the journey started slowly. We moved into an office where we were 15, 20 of us and today... That but uh, tell me about that initial launch. So what did you do? Like you built an app and you listed it on Play Store. Then what next? Like how did you get customers? How did you get the supply of funds to lend? And, yeah. So let me take a step back here. Okay. So when we started and uh, there was a learning which I had looking at businesses very closely. Over a period of time, I developed a keen sense of understanding that these are the underlying principles which makes business succeed. Of course, those principles change at the scale of the company. Okay. So the first thing which I learned was that when you're starting a new business, while product is very critical, while you need to have a very clear concept, but two things you need to be really very sure. One is that you need to ensure that you are solving a consumer pain point. And second, once you figure out that what is the consumer pain point you are solving, you need to get up and run. The philosophy at the company should be that 
I need to have a date on which I will launch my product. I need to have a date on which the Play Store listing will happen. And a simple concept that we need to get up and run if two features are less, but we need to start because that on that day, that was the priority. Okay. You could always spend years to build a product, but at some point in time, you need to go and do the market testing because that's where you get the real feedback. So essentially done is better than perfect. Yes, done is better than perfect. Of course, at that point in time. But today, you that done has gone a little bit. The perfection is also critical because now you are surveying hundreds, thousands of customers, right? And uh, and for which uh, any change can impact their experience and their expectation of the experience. Yeah, yeah. now the stakes of a mistake are much higher. So you can't afford to... Yeah, yeah. stakes of the mistake. And I think when you start... Most of the times you get early adapters, no? So I still remember one of my customer called us. He said that, look, there is a bug in your app, okay? And you need to go into these tables to correct it. But mujhe paisa de do. So they're, 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 those were the early adapters, uh, right? And then we launched it on 23rd of Feb. Incidentally, we just completed six years of our app launch last week. Or this week rather. And so launching an app is not the same as launching a business. Now, how, how did you actually get customers? How did you, ek to demand and second is supply. So, you know, both those things, how did you figure those out? So supply wise, so of course we raised our money. So we had the money with us to give loans. I said you were lending from your own balance sheet. Yes, we were lending. So we were, we were not platform in the initial phase because we realized that you you are unnecessary wasting time to build one more integrations with a bank and uh, or a NBFC. When uh, you are in the market to do a proof of concept, it is much better if you reduce number of players. So we just kept a focus on consumer, saying that everybody else is out. Let's just focus on consumer and see that how can we really lend money to that consumer. Of course, the day when we launched, we waited for a day to see if any customer comes in. So the first Feb February of 2016, we had four customers getting taking the money from us in eight days. Okay, so it took us four. Uh, yeah. But how did they discover that I So we started, so see when you start a company, the best way to reach out and start saying that I have arrived is through a Facebook Google marketing. You start bidding for the world. You start saying that if you're looking for a short-term money, come. And at that point in time, there were very few players out there, right? So you are also in a way of building a marketplace. You are also building a market in yourself. Like you said, if you look at MoneyTab, PaySense or any other names, they all, we all started within six months of each other. No, six to 12 months. And I'm pretty sure you must have spoken to a few of them. But all of us started into both. Pay sense and yeah. Money yeah. So PaySense also, I think it started in 2014, if I'm right, or 15. MoneyTap, I came to know when I, I was having my first conversation with a banker and said that, do you know these guys? I said, I've never heard of them. And so all of us started at the same time because that was also the point. I think your earlier question that why not insure tech? So today insure tech is in much there and there are many companies who are looking at insure tech. At that point in time, fintech lending was the piece and that's where all 10, 15 of us came into, came to start this business. So maybe hundreds of us came to start, but today five, seven of us has made, has seen and showcased some scale into it. So like you started doing Google, Facebook ads to drive download. What was the customer journey? Like someone would download the app. And at time, to digital KYC. So digital KYC nahi tha. So of course, those were the, also the learnings. We started with asking the customer to upload a selfie, upload a live image of the Aadhaar and PAN card number. Okay. 
Of course, at that point in time, the EKYC was in place because the Supreme Court judgment of EKYC came afterwards. So, so that provided us a respite to say that if the customer's EKYC is in place, you can go ahead and give the money to them. And of course, in some cases, we also learn, iterated. In few cases, we have sent people also to their homes to get the signatures, to pick up those documents, which after in today's world, we have discontinued. But that, that was also done. The first app was asking questions. It was a different journey. We might ask everything together. Today, we understand the customer behavior much better today than what it was five years or six years back. And like many of the steps which we had that point in time, we dropped over a period of time saying that this is a step just doesn't make any sense. And how do you really keep on reducing the customer frictions that we put it that way. So that was in early 2016 when we launched the product. Of course, that was also an era of proof of concept. We were proving to the world, to ourselves, to the employees, to the investors, to the consumer that there is a way you can borrow by just downloading a mobile app. No one before us has done that piece. How did you do the risk underwriting? So like someone downloaded an app and then they would upload or they would take selfies and share the whatever Aadhaar and PAN and whatever documents you needed. What was your KYC process like? Like your risk management process, what was that like? So, so when you started the business, I was very clear in my mind that if you really want to build a large business, because our business was a business of giving 10,000 bucks for one month, two months, three months kind of a fees. And if I put a lot of manual processes, I will not be able to really scale it up or the operating cost would be very large. So at the day one, uh, we decided that uh, we really need to build our analytical capabilities to the next level. Okay, and we need to really bring the best in class analytical ability. So when we started, of course, we went for the experts. So let's say we went to a couple of credit bureaus and asked their help to see that if they can build a scorecard for us. But uh, we really did not see much results coming out of those scorecards and we really did not find those scorecards really any good. And of course, because nobody has ever led to this set of customer in this kind of a product environment. So then as the customers came in, so in the initial phase, you can say that there was some kind of a manual work, some kind of a few rules has been built at the top to say that how can you really decision few of the customers in a faster way. But when you, did these people have a bureau score, like a credit bureau score? Because few of them do have a credit bureau score. See, in India, credit bureau score can be generated very easily if you just go and take a consumer finance loan or if you just have a gold loan or, or one of the credit lines which you had or education loan in many of the cases and which can generate you a credit score. But having said that, we then started figuring out that okay, how do you really underwrite the customers? And that's where we uh, had a couple of people, credit people coming in from the from Pune-based NBFCs or the other financial institutions who can really work with us. Was a bureau score mandatory for you to let or, no. or were you lending even when they didn't have? Okay. So then how did you underwrite when they didn't have a bureau score? So, so see, initial phases, I think uh, there are only two ways you can lend to a customer who don't have a consumer bureau score. The first, the bank statement, they will give you a bank statement or a salary slip and I lend to you. Take it. Or the second piece is that we make a intelligent judgment saying that, okay, somebody has a Apple phone, so let me just lend to him. Or somebody is saying that I work with Infosys, you lend to them to see that how it will happen. 
So there were few high level rules which were there or we asked for a bank statement. So alternate data was something which was a promise at that point in time. Even today we see and we harness a lot of them. Like every one of us has believed that the alternate data will be a holy grail or will create a lot of, lot of insights on the con consumer behavior. And that's where we, as, uh, we structurally started putting it together. How would you verify that he's actually an Infosys employee? See, one is, of course, the bank statement. At that point in time, there was... Ah, okay, bank statement will show the person who's crediting, right? Got it. Hmm. Who is crediting the money. So that will come. And second, I think that traditional banking, you are a good employee. But if you're working with early salary, even if early salary is paying you more than them, you might not get the credit card because uh, there are class class thinking in the in that piece, uh, right? But I always believe that you need to underwrite the person. Anybody can go through ups and downs. But if you underwrite the customer right on the right principles, the chance of you getting wrong is very low. And that is what the biggest strength which early salary has built over a period of time. Like to, today, if you see the one factor where we stand apart from the consumer is the, uh, from our competition is the ability to scale as well as the risk management which we have built over a period of time. So of course, as we evolved or as we started understanding our customers, next year then we in 2017, we went ahead and launched another product where we started saying that if the customer is with us for some time, we will give more money to that customer if we like that customer and as well as we'll give him for a longer tenure of the funds because it is very critical. How long? So three months, six months, 12 months. Let's say Akshay came to us, took the money, my systems. And by the time the algorithms started evolving, it took us six to nine months of small business to start building our algorithms. And then they start, algorithms started, the right word is shouting, saying that you need to give more money to these customers if you want to retain them, etc. And we started seeing, we started offering larger tenor of money. Let's say instead of giving a 10,000 rupees for a month, we started giving 30,000 rupees for three months or a 50,000, 70,000 rupees for a 12 month. So those are the, uh, the evolution which has started happening. We started reaching out to the larger set of customers. Okay. So first year was all from your own books or, or like when did you get the NVFC partner? So yeah, first year it was almost from our own book and we got our first partner. We started then. We started, of course, talking to our NBFC partners, both for our own lending to us as well as for our partnership businesses. I think somewhere in 2017 start, we got our first NBFC partner. So about a year from our business. Yeah, okay. okay. And this was what, like co-lending or lending to you and then you lend for them? As so both, both. So both started happening. One is the platform businesses as well as the uh, lending to my own NBFC. You had your, you had to start as an NBFC. Did you have to? Don't need to start as an NBFC, but we chose to start as an NBFC. I think among all the players at that point in time, I think we might be the only one who thought that the NBFC is a critical piece of the equation you need to have in your ecosystem. And that's where we started. Doesn't that take time to get an NBFC license and all that? Yes, it does take time. So we had a partner who had an NBFC. So we worked with that partner for some time before acquiring that NBFC and uh, having been there. Okay, okay, you acquired. We acquired the NBFC. And what, so what was your earning like? You know, what is the, you told me you charge like a fixed rupee value per day, but what did you earn from funds? What was the average interest income? What was the cost of funds to you? Tell me about the economics of that. Uh, 
you know, it's like uh, complex. It can get into quite complex, the economics part, because not everyone end up paying back to you, right? So there are few customers. Okay, defaults. So there are defaults. There are customers who delay. There, there are interest rates which get charged. You also run promo ports. Penalty and penalties are there. You pay interest on some part. You use your equity for some part. So economics in the initial phases were quite complex and it may not be right for to explain. But what kind of default rate were you seeing like early, early on? So the initial phase, see, I always believe that if you lend right, you, you can collect your money back. So while you need to have a very strong collection uh, processes, but one should not build a business on the back of thinking that I will be able to collect, right? The business is to be built with the right underwriting and the risk management. And that's where we spend a lot of time. And like I said, among all the players, we are the one who has really built this business right for a customer perspective also, as well as for our own stakeholders perspective. The default rates were reasonable. They were quite, they were generating a positive margin for us, even at that point in time, even today. Like under 5% default rate. Yeah, yeah under 5% default rates. Uh, again, the default rates are, there are many ways to look at it. People can claim saying that their default rates are less than 1.5% purely because they are looking at a different metric. But what is the biggest learning during that process? Look, the customer has more needs. One and the basic need is that he needs an instrument to do his daily and the monthly needs. Like I want to go to DMART to buy, do shopping or I want to go to pay my utility bills, pay Uber uh, bills or pay my grocery, etc, etc. And for which people use credit card. How do I really provide a form factor in the hand of my consumer so that he can use it? And that's where we launched a card program where each of our customers today gets a card. So what I have done with that card that now he can utilize me everywhere, wherever he wants, because it's a visa and rupee card, which means that he can use it anywhere, as well as that card allows him on almost credit card kind of a benefit, 45 days of interest-free credits. If he pays me on time, I will not charge him or it can convert automatically into EMIs. Then we came back and said that what else we can do for the consumer. So the other thing came saying that there are infrequent purchases. Let's say Akshay is looking for a 12-month insurance policy. Okay. Now, as per law, he has to pay the entire 30 to 50,000 rupees today. But the benefit will come over next 12 months. Most of the people may find it very tough to shell out 50,000 rupees in one shot. How do you really create a program where he can convert them into an EMI? Can you work with the insurance companies? Can you work with the partners to say that how can it be converted to EMIs? Similarly, if you are looking for a Whitehead Junior course for your kid or are looking for a course for yourself with upgrade or if you are looking for a health treatment, let's say you want to miss a young generation person wants to align his teeth. Today it costs anywhere between 50 to 60,000 rupees. How can I meet those infrequent needs? Like cosmetic surgery and cosmetic surgeries. Uh, IVF treatment, wealth, uh, weight loss treatment, the uh, diabetic reversals, elective surgeries. So then these are all the infrequent needs. I want a mobile phone. Something where every three to six months I need to spend 50,000 rupees and the benefit will accrue over a period of time. Either through skill upgradation or the consumption. This is the more traditional uh, EMI product, right? This is what say Bajaj is also 
So Bajaj does it in offline space. We chose to do it in online space to start with. While checkout finance is not a new thing. But what we said that this is one more need which my customer has. How do I really meet this need? So the point here is that how do you really keep your customer in between and keep looking at it saying that what more you can do. So today we offer him a checkout finance. We offer him a card program. We offer him cash. No questions asked. Everything happens through automation, extremely high amount of digitization. The customers get zap decisions like he will get decisions within seconds instead of waiting for hours or the days. And like today we run very large operations with a very small team of let's say six underwriters with 20 member analytical team who is doing and uh, automating and doing things which can generate a huge operating efficiencies at a scale. Okay. So essentially what you want to do is be a all-in-one source of finance for a certain segment. And that certain segment for you is people who are between 15,000 to 50,000 monthly salary. Like for that segment, you want to be able to offer them everything that they need under one roof. Absolutely. So you actually summarized it right. I'll just add a couple of more things. While doing so, if somebody who doesn't fall into this core segment, I should have products to service him. Let's say Akshay earns 2 lakh rupees and he's looking for 5 lakh rupees, which I cannot service today. Can I have partnerships to serve him? So I will service everyone who is there in my ecosystem, but with a core focus to serve this mid-income segment because in my mind, India is going through a transformational phase of where aspirations are going up. If you wanted a shoe or a sports shoe or a watch, it was tough to get it. Today, the way the globalization, the way the things are connected, the way the Indian entrepreneur itself has come, the aspiration has gone a multi-notch up and they are going up every day. Like today, Amazon Flipkart services are available in a, like my town, Fatehnagar also. So, which means that anything which is getting sold on Amazon can be accessed by a small town or 10,000 population town also. So, we believe that the next 10, 20 years, the India will go through a huge transformation, especially in tier two, tier three and tier one cities. Metros, it is already happening, but other cities will see a huge transformation. If you like to hear stories of founders, then we have tons of great stories from entrepreneurs who have built billion dollar businesses. Just search for the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming app like Spotify, Ghana, Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the show. So I have questions on four different areas. I just made a list of my questions. So I want to ask questions about the product features, some of which you have mentioned. I want to do a little more detailing there. I want to ask questions about the numbers around the business. I want to ask questions around the roadmap. And I want to ask questions around how you would compare with competitor products. So let me start with products, product features, questions which I have around that. So the card product which you launched where you issue a card, which so it is like either Visa or Rupee or does it have both? So we started with three. We started with Rupee. We are also launching with Visa now. So each card will be with only one. So till now we are with Rupee, but we are in active conversation to start Visa also. But it doesn't matter. See, at the end of the day, from a customer, it doesn't matter because both of them Swipe on the same terminal. Equal availability within India. Yeah, equal availability in India. And at the end of the day, from a customer, it doesn't matter whether it is Rupee or Master. 
of course there are offers which uh, at a network level they have some might have offered with zometo some might have offered with swiggy but they keep changing so don't to us, it is uh, there is not a critical business decision. Let me put it that. And this, you would need a bank with you to issue the card, right? Like I, only a bank can issue a card, if I'm not mistaken. No, so that is that has changed. So that has changed about I think two three years back, when RBI allowed interoperability of cards or interoperability of PPI licenses. So today, anybody who is who has a prepaid instrument license, so like PTMs or there is a company called Transcorp based out of Jaipur who are the PPI license holder, they can also issue a card. And we are currently using them as our card program. Of course, the money moves through the banks, but we do not have a sponsored bank and we don't need a sponsored bank. We are also hearing RBI is going to allow NBFCs with few conditions to launch their own credit cards. And that would be a very interesting development and a step in the right direction. Okay, so this is essentially a prepaid card which you are giving to people. It has a balance in it. Yeah, yeah. It has a credit line card. Mostly there is no balances in the card. But as soon as you swipe in a real-time basis, we upload the balances and then transfer them. See, from again, I'm coming back to the customer's side. While on the back, there is a lot of technicalities and there is a lot of complexities which we built. But the way we have positioned our card is very simple. You need to think it that every transaction is an EMI. But if you decide to pay me back before the first amount is due, you will not be charged anything. No, so it is like a credit card convenience. Few of the credit card features are there, but of course it's not a credit card in a true sense. But from a customer perspective, it gives him a comfort. If I pay within, let's say 40 days, 45 days, I don't need to pay anything else. No, and that is the biggest factor. And second is that if you decide to pay through EMIs, you don't need to do anything. See, most of the times, let's say, take a credit card example. If you decide that you will pay only one EMI, the charges are very high, right? They will charge almost the lended cost could be anywhere between 48 to 54% kind of a rate, okay? Or if you want to convert it to EMI, then you need to go through the process, call them and get it converted, etc. Whereas in my case, I give you an automatic conversions or automatically the if you don't pay if you decide not to pay full to avail the interest benefit you will get the my options automatically so uh, even a 500 p transaction can be converted to 12 emis oh. so, so that all comes at a customer level and the there would be like a mobile app which would show him real time that this is the balance available on your card and this is the interest payable and all of that so, so my mobile app is a hygiene and when I look at our mobile, the kind of features which we have added into our mobile app, it is very comprehensive. If uh, my customer thinks that he needs a particular thing, the chances are that everything is available on the mobile phone. Uh, for us, the mobile is the primary source of communication with the customer. We think that today the customer, like, I don't want to call a call center. I don't want to want anybody to call me. I want everything on my mobile phone. And we think that we have built a very significant amount of content, significant amount of information for the customer to see on the mobile phone. And we continue to add a lot out there. So mobile is our primary source of property. We started as a mobile company. We are today also the mobile first company. While we have built a very strong technological stake, both at APIs as well as website also. But the mobile remains our the key way of communicating with the customer. 
Can you share some numbers? What is the number of downloads or monthly active users of the app? So we just uh, crossed 10 million people downloading our app and 10 million people who has done a mobile verification with us, not the downloads. Downloads could be very high, but we have in our system 10 million people with mobile number verified. Verified users. Really. Yeah, verified users in us. MAU, DAU doesn't make a large difference for a financial services purely because if I reject it, if the customer realizes that he doesn't need my services, he will delete me. If I have defaulted and I have decided to reject you, they will reduce it. So those are not the right metrics for us because why we need to create engagement, but we want to create engagement within the people who remain with us as an approved customer. There is no, no, we need to bring the customer back, but MIUs are not the right. Okay. 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 And for your BNPL product, so you have like tie-ups with say Amazon and all of these e-commerce sites. So how does that work? The online BNPL product. So, so, the, so we, we call it check out uh, the traditional way, uh, the BNPL. Uh, we started this about 18 months back during the COVID. And the core purpose of starting this was twofold. One is how do we really reach out to larger set of customers? The second is that how do we really enable our own customers to shop at the many places? So to shop at many places, we of course give a card also, but this also enables them to do a large purchases. Let's say if you want to buy a 50,000 rupee thing, maybe you don't want to use my purely from a perspective that yeah, it can it can block the short term limits, right? You want to make, want to take a six to 12 month loans. So when we started, we said that there are three segments which we want to focus as a first thing where we think these are the emerging segments. The first is ad tech, the second is insurance, and the third is health. So, and with a clear focus, let's say skill upgradation, you want to take a course from Upgrade, we are there. You want to take a course for your son at Whitehead Junior, we are there. Uh, you want to buy an insurance policy, we are there. You want to take any healthcare treatment, we are there. But healthcare treatment through online? Like, like what kind of healthcare treatments are online? No, so two things. One is that the delivery of this mechanism may be offline. Okay. So so let's take an example of Tootsie, which provides you a teeth liners. So to align your tooths, you know. So now the delivery might happen in assisted format. When I say online, what I mean is that something where the businesses is not selling on a brick and mortar, let's say an electronic shop. We are saying that Something where the most of the education is online. Um, it's uh, at least the delivery and the selling happen online. They don't have offices across board. Like today, wages do not have offices. They have a call center, but they don't have offices. So the point is that which where there is no brick and mortar services or the large, you can say ecosystem for you to go. You are talking directly to the merchant who is talking directly to the consumer. And that is where our core focus was. Okay. Okay. So basically like D2C brands is where you focus on and these three segments, insurance, health and education. So uh, um, it's, uh, I will say it's a part of it is D2C, but uh, normally D2C is seen as a cosmetics. The Essentially, let me say B2C. Uh, B2C. Yeah, yeah. B2C is better term, but there is a B2B2C like insurance is typically a B2B2C. It's an agent driven model. So you just need to assist the insurance company on their agent portal. So they might not need our assistance. They will be able to sell on their own. But it is not happening in the branches. It is not happening at the shop store. It is happening where the customer is entering the data on a, or let me put it a little bit more differently. We focused on services more than the products. So education and insurance is a services program. These are not services. 
product is in a roadmap. So again, the idea is that. But product is a very crowded category. Na? There are so many other BNPL players in products. So in my mind, if any field you enter, you will always find a crowd there because India is a country where everything is, there is a, uh, there is an opportunity, there is a crowd, there is a competition. So I don't fear the competition, but our aim is that in next 12 to 18 months time, I want to ensure that I deliver a promise which I made to my existing customer. Ki if you think of any product, there will be an opportunity for you to use early salary at those products, at those locations. So like we, we, we are tied up with Razorpay to allow our customers to use us at their payment gateway networks. So idea is that everything which is there. So any anybody using Razorpay payment gateway network will be able to offer BNPL through early salary to people doing checkout. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so idea is that you reach out to a new set of customers, but also you reach out to the customers to ensure that existing customers are also aware that they can use us. And the salary advance product through the employer tie-up, uh, like that is only with Quest right now? What is the... So, so that is picking up. We have, we have, a, uh, we have quite a few tie-ups out there, but the Quest is the largest one. And there is a, a decent amount of team which is building this product and reaching out to the larger set of employees. And what is the cost to the borrower there? Typically, they are, typically these are the products which are very flat. Say 5,000 rupees for 49 rupees, 99 for 10,000 rupees kind of thing. So it is very clear to them saying that I need to pay 49 rupees to access this money. And many times the employer is also willing to pay that cost and say that let me make it an employee benefit. Got it, got it, okay. And in this case, the borrower will pay you after he gets salary or the salary gets credited partly to your account? How does that work? Yeah, yeah, salary gets partly credited to us. Okay, to so pay it, it, Yeah, yeah, so it is a, it is a salary reduction program. Mm. Okay, okay, which makes it pretty convenient. Okay, and the some of the things on the roadmap which you said like investment, insurance, this is like wealth management essentially that you want to start offering on the app. Like people can put in there like buy mutual funds or buy insurance through early salary app. That's the plan. That, like this audience, your existing audience, just expanding the services available to them. So yes, because if you look at it, most of the times when people come to borrow from us, they also do investments. They also buy insurance policy. But I found that the awareness levels are still very low. So like today, I think only in a single digit percentages, we have a customer who has an insurance policy. While of course, most of my customers may have a group medical policy from their employee, employer. But that may not be enough. And uh, take my own example. Up to year big, I did not buy additional policy. And I was happy that my insurance policy provided by my employer is enough. But as the cost is going up, I am realizing that it may not be sufficient. And there, is, there could be a large shock which can come. And we think that that will be a product which we would like to offer to our uh, customers. Similarly, providing them an opportunity to do SIPs. Providing them an opportunity to make their credit card bill payments or uh, or their utility bill payments so that if they are doing any transaction, why can't they do on our platform? But we are not getting into payments business. We don't want to build a reserve pay or anything like that. We are saying that hey, how do we really over a period of time build a solutions where if you see, we are really here to build a digital bank. We are already here to build a lending. We understand lending. We understand how to keep customers. We understand their needs. We are now going to build products where 
the customer can start thinking that ki apart from lending, I can also use them for products which need some kind of a assistance, say insurance, investments. So those are the part to really build both sides of the businesses for the customers. Got it. And these, you would like use a third party provider to make these available mm-hmm. or you build them from scratch? As of now, the thinking is that ki in the initial phase, we will use partners to build it because I think there is no point reinventing the wheel and there are enough partners available. Or maybe we'll go and acquire somebody in this space to uh, have a management bandwidth to build it out. See, the one thing which I always believe that it is not about uh, you can't build it. Build. It is about how much management bandwidth you want to invest into the process. Okay. And uh, you run collections in-house? Like how does collections happen? So we, we do collection in-house also as well as outsource. So... Just to take an example, first 30 days we will do in-house collection and post that we will outsource it to the agencies and there is a well-defined process and the machinery which manages these entire operations. When you outsource collections, do you sell that loan out or you pay them a fee for collecting it? They are more of a fee for collecting the money back. But again, while collection is an important part of the business, in my mind, it should be seen as a function which will assist to ensure that the company runs, but it cannot be the core point to give out the money. You need to build your risk management framework to ensure that you can give money to the right set of customers and whoever doesn't pay, you have the ability to collect from them. But you cannot say that, I'll collect collect, That will be the wrong to understand and build the business. Yeah, 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 management bandwidth should go on risk, like risk assessment at the time of lending instead of collecting after lending. Please, once the money is gone, then the risk management is in customers and not in your end. So uh, I want to talk some numbers and understand what the growth has been. So, so tell me like first year, what kind of loan book did you have? How did that increase? What is your loan book today? You know, just some idea of the growth path. Uh, looking at the past uh, five, six years, is when I see, I sometimes wonder how far we came. And there was a, a nice line I read on a day-to-day basis, nothing changed. But when I look back, everything is changed, right? So like in the, I still remember in the First 12 months, the highest number of customers we serviced was 500. Okay, in a month we serviced 500 because we reached 500 numbers and then funding was taking a little time. What are the numbers you track just for my understanding? What numbers matter to you? So see, while of course there are many numbers which matter to me, but the key numbers is always how much customer you are servicing, how much is number of, basically number of loans sanctioned. That would be the same, right? Like number of customer, number of loan is the same thing. Number of customers, yeah, yeah. Number number of customers you are acquiring, new customers you are acquiring in a month. And more than that, what is critical is that how many of your existing customers continue to remain existing with you? Let's say two years down the line, are 70% of those customers still with you or not? Because more the customer with you, more you make money on it. If after two years also the customer is coming and taking money from us, it is a great sign that we have built a right product. Second, customer trust us. And the third is that there is a huge operating margins which are getting built on it. Because you have much better risk management. I mean, you know that you will get the money back. So these are like a returning customer is a low risk customer, basically. Absolutely. One is returning customer is a low risk customer. Second, the cost of acquiring the returning customer is virtually zero. So that's how much of the, how much time we use Uber. Every second time it's a free for Uber, right? So, and that's where the entire platform and the network effects get built in. 
So, so the very critical for me to track retention metrics is how the how much the customers are retaining with us, how we are, what kind of products we are selling it to them. Then, uh, of course, what kind of credit cost the portfolio has at the product level, how much money we are making, whether we are our yield economics positive, whether we are profitable. Like today, we are profitable for almost last six quarters and uh, profitable at a pat level. And we expect that to continue now. We should remain profitable as we keep on repeating the business to the next level. Now, what What is the way you calculate revenue? The interest you are, that is your revenue, In, right? Like Interest, fees, late fees are all the revenue. And, and so what has that growth been like? Like how much do you think this year's revenue will be? So the growth has been phenomenal, especially post-COVID. We started accelerating post-COVID, of course, keeping the risk under control. And in last 18 months, Post-pandemic, uh, we saw an uh, excellent growth. Our percentage has gone up almost six times. We today acquire all-time high co- new customers every month. Our uh, amounts dispersed or the with customers is at all-time high. We are profitable making money every quarter. We just opened another two offices in the same building to accommodate social distancing as well as having a larger influx of employees, a larger set of employees and the talent working in various departments. Got it, got it. So you told me you were doing 500 customers was the highest you did in a month in that first year. What do you do now? How many customers a month are you? We, we, we today do almost close to 100x of that. So around 30 to 50,000 50, customers we are doing a month. Okay, amazing. And what is, do you look at a loan book? Like traditional NBFCs would have a loan book and all of that. Is that a number you track? Like what is your loan book size? And See, yeah, I will track everything. That is not a relevant metric for you? No, that is, that, no, that is relevant purely from a perspective that at the end of the day, that is the money which is outstanding. That is the money which needs to compare. That is the money you need from either your equity or you need that money from your lenders. So it is very critical to track how much is the outstanding money. And the second, that's where how much interest you will earn and that's where it will work. So I don't think that... But it is not the same as like for a traditional NBFC, the loan book is indicative of how much business they are doing. But in your case, because the loans themselves are like, you know, 15-day, 30-day, 60-day loans. So it doesn't really indicate how much business you are doing. To that level, which it would do for a traditional NBFC. That is true. So, uh, loan book is critical, but you rightly said that. What are the metrics apart from that which are critical? So, today, first of all, we don't do 15 days, 30 days loan. We, our minimum checks, uh, ticket size or the tenor size is three months. For us, what is more critical is that how much is the total disbursement we are doing in a month and out of which, how much is the returning customer? Is a very critical metric. See, more you engage with the customer over a period of time, more that customer will come and buy something else. So what is the percentage of your, one is monthly dispersals and second is percentage within that which is returning. What is your monthly dispersal, right? So so today, so since inception, we have dispersed more than 5,500 crores till now. And our correct aim is that we would like to disperse a, similar amount in the current year. So our internal aim is to do a 5,000 crore disbursal from January to December of this year. And that is what we are targeting. So which means four, 500 crore per month is your target. So yeah, target is about, so to hit up 400, 450 crores, kind of a number by the, during this period. 
I think which is very comfortable. Rather, we think we will over exceed that number. Our current thinking is that we are doing somewhere close to 300 crores a month kind of a number. Got it. Okay. Okay. And what percentage of this is returning customer? So, of course, it is a different way to look at it. A little complex. I'll not go into the details. See, if you acquire more customers, your returning customers in that month will be lower. If I don't acquire, if I don't acquire new customers, my returning customers will be higher. So that may not be the right way to look at it. The best way to look at it is that if I acquired, let's say, 30,000 customers in a month, after a 12-month or a 24-month window, how many of those customers are returning at that point in time? Are still active in the system or has continued to maintain relationship with me? So what is your retention rate, like a 12-month retention rate or a 24-month retention rate? So it is very simple. Most of our customers we retain, almost 85% plus customers remain with us. And what is the, how much of your dispersal is through equity? How much is through debt? What is the split? So any financial services businesses need to be built uh, with a a, a large financial leverage. More you can lever, more money. So today, our core, while we will continue to go and raise more equity also, but our core focus always remains that how do you really leverage your partnerships and leverage your lending confidence to ensure that you can make a, a larger business out of your equity money which you are putting in. Okay. But what, is it like 90% debt, 10% equity? What is that split like? Not that much because that is too much of a debt. I think somewhere around uh, five times is a good debt. So you will have a... 70, 80% is in equity and 82% is in debt and 18, 19% is in Okay. And what does, like, what is the cost of debt and how much do you earn on that? What is the spread that you make on it? If on an average, say you earn 20% and debt costs you 14%, then 6% minus default. Like, what does that economics work out to? So, so, so those economics are, again, very product specific and consumer specific. But at a very high level, we make interest margin of close to 13-14% after paying for debt as well as paying for the credit cost, which is the NPAs. What is credit cost? NPAs, after paying for the NPAs. Okay, NPAs. Okay, okay. That's amazing. That's extremely profitable. Yeah, yeah. the business is profitable last 16 months, the pet positive. So did you raise more funds after that initial 1.5 million which you raised? We have raised uh, subsequent rounds. We, till now we have raised close to 34 million in total. And most of that money is with us. We have not burned too much money in building this business. We built this business quite efficiently. As we speak, we will also contemplating to raise more equity. Okay, okay. Because you want to keep that 1 is to 5 ratio. So the more equity you have, then the more you, your book can grow because then you can like for every one rupee of equity you raise, you can raise five rupees of debt. So so that's like a growth lever. Absolutely. So we are talking to equity investors to raise that equity round. What was your biggest round till date? So we raised 16 million in one round. Then I we raised a full-on round of 11 million. And that money was sufficient till date. See the funding, see the equity funding is while it gives you headlines. But at the end of the day, you need to ensure that you deliver growth and the returns back to the investors. That is very critical. See, they are the biggest believer in the story. So you need to ensure that you raise money to build scale. You raise money to give comfort to the lenders. But at the end of the day, if you are sufficiently capitalized, then there is no need to raise the money. So till the time you have growth levers, you should use it. And that's what we do. Okay. And how much are you looking to raise now in your next round? So we are in the markets and talking to raise 
anywhere between 50 to 75 million of equity. And you're, this is primarily an India-focused play only or are you also looking to go outside India? So that's a question which many times I was asked and I always found it means it's like crystal gauging. As of today, we do not, we think that there is a large opportunity in India. We think that Indian market itself is large. Everybody is coming to India to invest and we have an opportunity here to build a very world-class business. Having said that, there are markets where there can be opportunities. So there could be Southeast markets, there could be Middle Eastern markets where you can go and build similar businesses because the challenges are... Or say Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, these would be... This could be like, I was chatting with a, with a friend who has a deeper connect in Bangladesh and he was telling me and pushing me saying that you should start Bangladesh. I said that first I want to build a much larger play in India because uh, everything boils down to a single statement is saying that ki, how much focus you want to build and how much single-minded focus you need to have because that is very critical for us to build and service a class. I cannot, I will not do a justice to the to my consumers if I start not having that kind of a products which provides him the best in class experience. I think also the other advantage in India is that more and more people are moving into the formal economy from the informal economy. Absolutely. That, that, that will happen across globe. I think everybody is in a journey. I think Bangladesh to me looks like a very promising country. Also Sri Lanka, both of them you mentioned. Purely because of the fact that there is, there is a large amount of startups coming up across board, which are formalizing many of the places. Second, with education levels going up, everybody is getting formalized. Like today, just to take an example, Toh has formalized so many employment, which was an unorganized segment. Tens of lakhs of people there. Hmm. Tens of lakhs of people got formalized in the economy. Okay. So what is the risk underwriting that you do today? You told me about when you started the kind of underwriting you were doing then. Today, it must be extremely sophisticated. No, you would have evolved it over the years. So what does that look like today? Like, how do you do that underwriting? Today, today I think it has become a very customized. Whenever you think of a risk management, the first thing comes to mind is scorecards or, or the rules. Let me give you an example that if you are, if you are above 40, you are passed. If you are below 40, you are failed. So it is like a cookie cutter. If you are at 41, you are passed. If you are at 39, you are failed. But from a, from a far off, there might not be much difference between a 41 versus 39 guy, right? There was no logic of saying that a random number 40 is a passing percentage, no? So similarly, the bureau scores or our internal scores can give that cookie cutter kind of a experience saying that if your internal score is more than 650, you are passed. If it is less than 640, you are failed or something like that. And today we came long way from there. Today, we use technology and our thinking of a customer behave a multidimensional way. We allow the risk management to work intuitively. We run multiple scorecards. We run multiple rules together to ensure that we can take a holistic view on an individual customer and then accordingly give him an experience which gets him where I what my comfort level is. But how do you run multiple scorecards together? Like how do you then take a yes-no decision? So, so multiple scorecards, the one way is that you design 
So just to take in, like going back to my question that whether you are at 41 or 39, you come back and create a rule which is quite complex when you explain to a 12th grader or a CA foundation that out of 10 questions, if whether he answered the first five questions right or the second five questions right, or whether he answered the first five questions in 30% of the time and that he took 20% of the time he spent on answering one of the questions. You get that kind of information when the customer is working with you. So you run multiple scorecards for a multiple set of people and you run at the top some characteristics to find which is the best suited scorecard for that set of customers. Okay. So do you also give loans to gig workers? We do. So because they don't have fixed salary as such. So is that part of your target customer base? So no, it is a part of our target customer base. We definitely are doing experiments out there to build the model. But I think if you are, if you ask me, we are still in a process of putting our entire model together. It is something like you rightly said, incomes variability is very high. Attrition rates are high. So we need to work very closely with the employer. We need to work and find a new business model out there. So we are working on it. We are doing a lot of experiments, both like Quest is a quite a classic example. Again, it's not a gig economy, but at least it provides the, the blue collar employee employ, employments and which also are more or less the similar kind of a characteristics. And my last question to you. So what is the, you know, what is the biggest problem you want to solve right now for early salary? What is that one obstacle to growth that you are focused on today or like over the next two, three year period? What do you see as it one big challenge to solve? So, so I, I will answer it differently because after running a business for six years, I, I started seeing that every roadblock is just a stepping stone to the next journey. So I don't see most, I don't see most of the things as obstacle. Uh, rather, I see them as a challenges and I see them as a opportunities to do more. So, I, so today what I do and what I believe and which I keep telling my team also is that while COVID was a, a watershed moment, okay, it is a time while the digitization was happening for last few years, okay, but it was happening at its own pace, both at the businesses end as well as at the customer end. But COVID has accelerated that growth, both, again, both for businesses as well as consumer. So today, every bank, every financial institution is focusing on how do they get their app out? How do they get their digital journeys out? How do they get a customer to deal with them digitally? Because they realize that is the way it is. Similarly, the customer expectation is that everything can be delivered digitally. Like today, my father's, I think, ability to use a mobile phone is much better than my ability to use a mobile phone the way he feels comfortable using various apps, etc. And I think that across the age factor, across the spectrum of various, uh, whether it is a tier 3, tier 2, tier 1 metros, the people's uh, adap adaptability towards using a digital means to communicate has gone up. So in this kind of a back backdrop, the winner, which is going to come in next two to three years or five years, is that where you built a rock solid customer experience because in my mind, many of the people will build their digital journeys, will build their digital transformation, but they may not build a digital customer experience. No. And that's where I think the winners would be how you really build a customer experience, which can be top notch and 
the retention is the key to build the any business if you like the founder thesis podcast then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing technology career advice books and drama visit the podium.in that is t h e p o d i u m .in for a complete list of all our shows